Hi, I'm Adam Benayoun. You're listening to Inside Position. Sacrifices. You gotta make sacrifice for your team. To answer your question. Hi everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Inside Position with me, Tom Halpin. Joining me today is Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt Adam Benayoun. Adam's someone who's been competing at a very high level for a long time with some big wins in major tournaments, particularly in the lower belt divisions, while he was training at the famed Marcelo Garcia Academy in New York. He also has an interesting journey in how he changed his training environment later in his career as a brown belt, when he changed academies to 50-50 jiu-jitsu to start coaching and training alongside Ryan Hall. We had a great chat about the different lessons Adam's learned from both those environments, as well as how he balances competing in both the gi and no gi, and how he keeps up with the many trends that we have these days. As usual, if you enjoy the podcast, make sure you share it with your friends and subscribe to avoid missing any future episodes. I hope everyone enjoys the chat. So here we go with another episode of Inside Position with Adam Benayoun. Hi, Adam. Thanks for coming on the show. You've been in the game a long time. I remember hearing about you, I'd say, when you won Brown Belt Europeans probably five or six years ago at this stage. Yeah. When did you kind of realize that jiu-jitsu was something that you really wanted to pursue? I think I realized it pretty early on. Within the first, I think, few months of training, I, I started to realize how much I loved jujitsu. Um, and at that point in my life was something that I was pursuing more seriously than anything I'd ever done. But I don't think that you really see that it can be a career until a little bit later. I knew I was interested from the beginning, but I think that it just kind of happened gradually. Like I wound up, you know, I think like most people, I was, I went to college in the beginning and then I was like, man, I really just want to train. I'm not focused in my classes. I don't want to be paying to go to school and, and not getting good grades. Uh, so I think I made the deal with my parents that I could take a year off if I just got a job. So I got a job at the gym and then everything just kind of, you know, <laughs> spiraled from there. <laughs> Nice. That's actually pretty similar to me, except we don't have the added pressure. Like college is free in Ireland, so it's kind of that's, it's yeah, easy, that's it's easy to duck out and jump back in. But those kind of big wins that you had early in your career, what was the first competition that you won that made you realize it's going to be worth it? I have a bit of proof that what I've been pursuing is going well. I think for whatever reason, when I started training, I always had the goal of winning Pan Ams and Worlds. Like gi or no gi, I just thought it was cool. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, that's that's a really cool accomplishment. I want to be able to do that. And then I'm sure like you, like there's always a lot of ups and downs in the journey and um, you want those like um, almost like affirmations that you're on the right path. Um, and then I think for me at um, towards the end of Purple Belt, I won Nogi Pants and I was like, okay, maybe this is going to wind up working out. But I don't think I ever looked too far into like an individual result. There was things, there were, there were things that I wanted, but I just, I felt like every time I was maybe second guessing, like, is this what I should be doing? Um, something, something that would like, I would perceive as a sign would happen. Like I would medal at a big tour at a bigger tournament, or I would have a, a really good day or something would happen or an interaction with someone that showed me like, yeah, you, you should be doing this. Would it ever add pressure to you getting those big wins? Like early in your career, purple belt, brown belt, it's easy to kind of go in and be the underdog and try and have a good performance and surprise people. But yeah. I was wondering, did it ever add pressure or would um, it be the opposite? Would it give you extra confidence getting those big wins? I think that at the time um, I was training at Marcelo's. So even, even if you won something that was relatively substantial, it was hard to really have it go to your head because there were so many killers in the room. Um, I remember winning the New York Pro when I was a purple belt and going back to training the next day and 
being like, well, the guys that won black belt are right there. So like, who am I? You know what I mean? And and then Marcelo is running the warm up. You know what I mean? So it just it, it always made me feel like I was a like a smaller fish was probably probably important. I, I sometimes I see that happen. Um, I guess the, the inverse happened. Like somebody from a smaller gym will have a good result, and then they think they're really really good, and they might be doing great for whatever their their skill level is. But I felt like I always had people around me that would kind of keep me in check because it's like, mm-hmm. well, even if I did well for a purple belt, the guy who won black belt is right there. It was hard to feel. I guess like I was ever doing anything too too like too big. You know what I mean. Um, but I think that towards the end of brown belt, like after Pan Ams, I felt a little pressure, not, not really so much from other people, but more like pressure on myself to like not let myself down. It's like, if you don't win, it's a bad performance almost. Yeah. I think it was just, I remember being in this position where like I won Europeans and I won, uh, Pan Ams and I was like, am I going to grand slam? Like, and it was like a mix, (laughs) it was like a mix of like wanting it to happen really badly and maybe putting a little bit of pressure on myself for it to happen, but really just like, uh, really just wanting it to happen more than anything. And I think that maybe focusing, I I don't say it was my, want to say it was my focus, but just knowing that that was a reality made me think less about the jujitsu that I was doing as opposed Mm. to thinking about the outcome. Thinking about the result. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting what you were saying as well about training at like a big gym with a lot of competitors. Would it ever knock your confidence, the fact that there's so many good people at the training? If you have a bit of an off day, you'll probably get really punished for it. Yeah, I think that it was the toughest thing, honestly, was trying to do different things in training, like trying to do something new. I think the the benefit to being in a gym like Marcelo's, at least for me, was I knew what worked and what didn't work. You know, like if you tried to play a position against and and the The unfortunate thing is you don't have a chance to develop it against the lower belts. If you want to do well in your rounds, you're almost always playing your best positions. So I thought that was maybe challenging for me to figure out how to add things. But I think the nice thing is that you feel really sharp. And I always felt like the the training was tougher than the tournaments. I started to get over the, I guess, like jitters I'd get if I were competing against someone that had a like a big name. Because I'm like, well, all the people I train with have big names, you know, if anything, I'm the no name guy. So it just didn't really feel like um, it didn't really feel like the competition was going to be tougher than the room. That makes total sense. Uh, I always found the best benefit actually from like doing a few months a year at a really big gym, having that tough training, getting sharp and then going home, smaller gym work on the skills, kind of training with a lot of lower belts and then go back. And everyone would always be surprised at the bigger gyms I was training at. Like, holy shit, you improved a lot over the year, you know? I think that's what I'm getting a lot more of now because I train um, I train at 50-50 with Ryan. We have good students um, and we have some students that have really interesting skill sets. Like we have some really good wrestlers, some really good judo guys, and they're all getting better and better at jujitsu. But I would say that me and Ryan are, you know, definitely the most experienced people. So I have these guys that uh, I'm, I'm a little bit ahead of, at least in jujitsu, that I can work on different positions with. And then before the bigger tournaments, I'll try to like go train here for a week, go train there for a week, just kind of bounce around and get looks with different people. And do you like being more in charge of your own training? Because that's something I know I really enjoy because I hate wasting time training. You know, I, I was never one of the guys who was taking steroids, training eight hours a day and doing 50 rounds yeah. a day. Like, But I would always like to get... Every minute that I'm on the mat, I want to kind of maximize it. I think it would it's it, it would be really hard to go back to not organizing my training, you know, because I, it's just basically whatever I'm trying to work on. It's like, okay, we're going to drill this thing. And then guess what? We're going to do specific training from there, you know? So I get to like really focus on my skill development and I get to cut out things that maybe 
they do at other gyms that I'm not crazy about. Cause like, let's say like, like you said, I want to make the most out of every minute. And like, since I'm only like training X amount of hours a day, I'm like, do I really need to spend 15 minutes twice a day running in a circle to warm up? You know, like I'd rather, I'd rather spend that drilling little things like that. So when I train at other places, I'm like, okay, like I'll go through your routine, but it's mostly about seeing how the things that I've been developing hold up against the, the better guys there. Yeah. And how has the training been at Ryan's? He's definitely someone who's known as being like a big innovator and maybe thinking and doing things differently than other people. What are some of the things that you've kind of changed in maybe your training and your game since you've been there? Yeah, he's definitely, I've never really trained like with anybody like Ryan. I think he's probably out of everybody that I've trained with the most proactive about working on his weaknesses. While I feel like at most gyms, people tend to just do what they're good at, you know, and they'll do what they, I feel like people, when they're developing their skills, obviously they're open to doing new things, but it seems like at a point people are like, all right, I found my game and I'll just keep working on that. What about all these holes that you have and, and, and how do we, how do we, how do we turn those into strengths? So I feel like that's something that Ryan's done really well. Um, and also just for me, he's given me direction as far as what I should be working on, because sometimes you're like, okay, well, I have these things I'm good at and I have these things that I'm not good at, but maybe I don't know how to fix that. You know, like if I knew how to not be good at it, I would just fix it, you know, but sometimes if you don't have somebody to kind of guide you towards where you need to be getting better, it can be, it can be difficult. And I, I think at Marcelo's that I had, I had some, some trouble with that where, you know, I would, I would try to talk to the people around me that I felt like were mentors where I'd be like, Hey, like, what do you think I should work on? And I would get kind of general answers. And sometimes the answer would be like, well, you understand your game better than I do. Like I don't play the Baron Bolo game, so I don't really know. And I'd be like, well, that doesn't change the fact that you've been training for 20 years. Like, like it doesn't have to be Baron Bolo's. Like if you think I should work on something, like tell me, you know? And once you diagnose one of those problems, like let's say, for example, you realize that maybe my guard retention against distance passers is a bit off. How do you go about fixing that? What other guidance would he give you to actually start working on those things? Well, we drill a lot, you know? Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, we drill a lot. And, and the way that he drills, um, I think, is different than most people. Is it more cooperative? Much more cooperative because that's how jujitsu works. I'd say our drilling is much more conversational. Like a lot of the time when I see people drill, it's just like, you're, you're like, okay, I'm going to work on a leg drag from De La Hiva and you'll have me set De La Hiva mm. and you'll drill your leg drag and maybe you'll have me turn away at the end and you'll look for the back take. But that's not really what happens. You know what I mean? Mm. So, so yeah. it's a lot more conversational. We're always setting like frames and defense and I basically want my drills to be as layered as possible mm. so that I can work through like a conversation because like if we start rolling, I mean, it might happen like like rarely, but I'm pretty sure like I'm not going to beat you in one move and you're not going to beat me in one move. It's going to be a much longer sequence. So I'm like, well, how long can I extend the sequence when I'm drilling? If it's something I'm familiar with, like I'll probably be able to extend it many moves in. But if it's something I'm less skilled at, I'll like, I do a move, you do a move, I do a move, you do a move. And then I'm like, I'm running out of ideas, you know? So that's where we'll try to like, like figure out like, okay, how do we add pieces here? How do we figure out what we need? Um, and where is this starting to fall apart? Um, so, so he's been really helpful with that. And then I think also like he thinks about things that maybe go, I just think they're maybe not considered so much in, in like jujitsu specifically, like your structure, your alignment, your positioning, mm. like how, how is your connection with the ground, things like that, that are probably, I mean, I know they're talked about a lot in like other sports and, and especially sports that people come up through the, through like, uh, the school system doing. But in jujitsu, like nobody had really talked to me about like 
my gait or like my alignment or my posture. Let's say we were video game characters and we had equal skills. The edge would go to the person who had that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like if we were both like 90 overall and we both had the same cardio and the same agility and the same skills, like who has better posture, who has better structure, who has better alignment, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like to me, those are the things that are kind of hard to teach. You know what I mean? Like the fact that like Mikey can like get into that like little squat and be in like perfect posture and base and alignment. Like, I feel like my back is going to blow up if I do that. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's like a gift, you know, like how did you, like you just, your body can do that. So I think like trying to teach myself how to be like more efficient structurally, you know? I've never seen a video game character whose special move was posture, but it's those little things that make the difference though, isn't it? Especially at black belt where everyone has the moves really. And sometimes it comes more down to like who has the, like the little things. I've never actually met Ryan before, but he's probably the person I've learned the most from like in my whole career. Yeah. Which is funny. Wow. (laughs) uh, Because like, even as a white belt, I think someone gave me one of his DVDs for like deep half guard. And I was like, oh, this is cool. You know? And then I would kind of go into that and then... I started learning like the 50-50 stuff when I was a blue belt. If I'm ever stagnant or something, I'll kind of go back to, I wonder what Ryan's working. I'll try and find it out somehow on- online. And then, yeah, so it's, it's funny. Yeah. I've never met him, but I'd say a lot of the ideas and different things in my game have actually come from him, which is pretty funny. Like, <laughs> But going back to the drilling partner thing as well, because that's the thing I always say, the hardest thing to get is a good drilling partner, someone who moves mm-hmm. like the right way. And it's almost like, you need someone who knows you well. I'd say I could count on one hand the proper, proper good drilling partners that give me right reactions and can flow and kind of keep it open-ended. And now that you're a coach, I was wondering, do you find it hard to develop those or are you kind of figuring out how you can get students to improve quickly and help you in your training? I mean, I try to be pretty on top of the students that are at least the, the students that are saying they want to make jujitsu their thing and they're they're kind of putting in the time to show that like i'll try to make sure that they are drilling well um not just for them but so that they can drill with me well but yeah i think like same thing there's only a handful of people that i really enjoy drilling with like you said it takes time to develop that chemistry and to figure out how the other person moves what they're kind of looking for um and it's not just something that happens overnight so it's yeah it, it takes like a lot of uh I think a lot of commitment. And how did you end up there, actually? Because you've been bouncing around a good few gyms throughout the years, training with a lot of different high-level coaches and stuff. What was the different process like going from gym to gym to gym? So I met Ryan when I was a blue belt. There was a kid named David Bass who was training at the gym I started at, who mm. at the time was um, – he he was like kind of like the – hot prospect at blue belt like he had won pan ams and he had won worlds and he had a really um kind of funky game he was doing the upside down triangles which in 2008 was like the probably like the the footlock game of today you know that was what was really popular um so through him i met ryan and you know we trained a couple times and i felt like i picked up a lot from him and i i really enjoyed working with him um, but, you know, we kind of went our separate ways and I was training at, at Alliance New York and he was doing his thing. And then um, as a brown belt, I messaged him just about maybe going out there for a weekend. Or I think mm-hmm. he might have messaged me, but however it happened, we, we, we reached out to each other to, to get some training in. Um, and then I came, really, really enjoyed training with him and felt like I learned so much. And then I took a couple of trips and bounced back and forth. And then eventually, you know, we just like talked about like how would like like me coming down and working at the gym and training with him pretty much mm. full time um so when he offered me that opportunity i was like yeah i think i i think i gotta go 
it was tough because at Marcelo's there was all of these really top guys and not mm. just um, not just high level guys, but high level guys that were really active in jujitsu. And at that point, Ryan was I mean, he's still just focused on MMA kind of outside of the jujitsu world. Mm. Um, but but I just felt like the way that he was kind of teaching jujitsu to me was really resonating. Mm. And I felt like I wanted to prioritize my growth knowledge wise over mm. what I felt like, um, maybe would get me a better competitive result. And sometimes it's just time for a change as well. I feel like it's good to bounce around to different gyms and not be too long training with the same people over and over again. Was it ever tricky funding all the different travels? Like, cause I know, especially as a lower belt, it can be tricky, like teaching, you're not getting paid as much different things. Like how was the struggle going through the belts like that? It's tough, bro. I mean, I'm sure, you know, like a lot of credit, <laughs> a lot of put a lot of tournaments on credit cards. When I was in New York, I felt like I started to basically figure out how I could afford it. But the mm -hmm. downside was that there was going to be no money left over for like the future, you know, yeah. so pretty much all the money that I all the money that I made teaching was going to my rent and mm -hmm. was going to paying for training and was going to um, tournaments. Getting your black belt, obviously, you got it from Ryan. How have you found the change from maybe purple and brown winning a lot, then getting your black belt? Has there been much adjustment or has it just been business as usual? No, I think there has been because at the lower belts, you like at least for me personally, I, I always had a very like submission heavy game coming up through the belts, especially in the gi. Like I would get a lot of like triangles and omoplatas and like chokes from the back or loop chokes. But as you make the jump into black belt, the level of competition jumps so much because if you go to these tournaments at let's say let's say you show up to a tournament at purple belt or brown belt and i'm training at a gym like marcello's and i'm training full time unless you're also training full time and putting in the same amount of work it's going to be really difficult for you to like compete with me um or compete with really anybody at that level just because of the amount of hours putting in it's not like i'm like this special thing it's like if i'm training you know, as a full-time job and you have a kid and you're training four times a week, you know what I mean? Like I'm getting more training in two days and you're getting in a whole week. So it wouldn't really feel like, um, it wouldn't really feel like I would run into guys that were really good unless it happened like early on, which can always happen, uh, or in the metal rounds. Um, but there would probably be like in a big division, like a handful of guys that were like, you know, could win. And then a lot of guys that were probably going to get fucked up, you know? And then when you get to black belt, it just feels like everybody's good. You know, like there's no more, there's no more easy matches. And even the guy, even the matches that might be easy on paper are not so easy because they're guys that had enough perseverance to stick around to get to their black belt and to be competing at the adult black belt level. So they're all good at something. The guys that you looked up to are now your like the people you're competing against and there's not really any more easy matches yeah and now as well you're seeing the specialists come through like people who only train gi competing at gi people who only train no gi how do you find that trying to compete in both at the same time at the like highest level it's definitely getting tougher i'll say <laughs> that like it's definitely it's definitely getting tougher i mean i think that like right now i'm focusing mainly on no gi and mm -hmm. i'm kind of like like i didn't do the gi pan ams um but watching the Gi Pan Ams, I was like, why am I not there? You yeah, know, yeah. like I like I'm watching all the matches I'm spending my whole Saturday watching matches, you know, like well, I should just be there at the same time. I feel like I'm I've been so focused on like Nogi Worlds, the ADCC trials, the things that I think are really, really important to me right now. Yeah. Um, it's tough to, I guess, manage the two goals, you know, because you're like, well, how do I focus on this thing that's coming up that I really care about? 
um, mm. while also focusing on this thing that's similar but very different, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, like right now, I think um, it's just been a lot of focus for me, at least personally, on Nogi. And then, yeah, and then, I mean, I, I saw they announced Key World, so, like, I'm, I'm going to do that. You know, like, I, I have to do Worlds, so um so that'll probably shift after after the trials and what would be some of the things then that you do to switch over to nogi what would the kind of emphasis go on or is there any trends that you see coming up in the near future that you're kind of working on to take advantage of well i think that the biggest thing and the reason why it gets tougher and tougher is because there's so much new information coming out so it feels really yeah it feels tough to keep up with all the trends you know it's like if i don't if like, uh, like I think I trained Guy like twice last week. I was training because I wanted to try some of the things that I that I saw in Pan Ams and see how it felt and like the different guards people were playing. And it's like I know that realistically I would need to spend a decent amount of time like drilling these positions and doing specific training from these positions to understand them really deeply. Um, and it's just like, well, how do I how do I how, how do I spend the time doing that when I'm also trying to develop these things in Nogi? Um, so it just, there's a lot, there's not, there's not as much crossover as I think, um, people might expect, you know, I think in the gi, the biggest thing is like, um, like if you're not familiar with some of the different lapel guards, you're going to really struggle, you know, and it feels like every day someone's playing something different. Also some of the, like, uh, like I saw a lot of the, uh, like the Aoki lock, the, like, uh, foot lock that Mikey, that Mikey does and Isaac does, like I saw that in a, in a bunch of divisions and like, that's another one that I think in the gi, is significantly trickier to deal with versus nogi where there's a little bit less friction or a lot less friction things get a little bit more slippery um just the passing you know like i feel like um like it's it's a lot harder like i feel like my guard got good from the gi and it's easier to keep your guard together in nogi when you don't have this fucking insanely strong dude that like good chances on steroids is making like a fucking pant grip and you're like well how do i break this you know what i mean and you're just like pulled my knee away from my elbow and like how do I deal with this you know so it's just there's a lot to it and then with nogi I feel like the like if you don't understand like deeply deeply understand what's going on with the footlocks you're going to be behind and it also the wrestling is is like seems like more and more important every day how did you feel like the wrestling um like did you realize that when you went to ADCC or was it at the trials or before the trials coming up to the trials I like I really believed that I could win and I was saying okay no excuses now I'll just do 15 minutes of wrestling after every single class that I'm teaching or training in. So I ended up, it kind of adds up. It, it's very easy to do for 10, 15 minutes. And it added up to like yeah. 30 minutes a day for about, I suppose, maybe eight weeks before the competition. And Were you doing it like live rounds? More like active drilling like that. There was a couple of good mm -hmm. wrestlers that trained uh, at the SBG gym where Conor McGregor trained and they would come and train with me few days a week so i would just train with those guys small and it would be like active drilling but you can do it very intense so it would actually almost feel like sparring but it's clean you know because i think doing a lot of sparring yeah. i didn't want to get injured when i'm going to be right. pulling guard anyway so i pull guard in most of the matches but i found that it gave me i i was eager to come on top and maybe that's something that i was missing before so one of the strategies i was using was attack the legs but if they defend and concede any bit of the top i'm just going to come up straight away and try and like believe in my back takes and my passing and stuff so that yeah. helped a lot and now recently i've been trying to add much more wrestling like just being much more confident with it getting the posture in and again just kind of tipping away at it every day yeah uh, because not getting injured is the biggest thing i don't want to be scrambling too much with bigger guys so i have a few guys that i trust a lot but i really enjoy it actually and i feel like it helps 
it helps in all the other areas of the game as well. I kind of like the idea as well of being actually effective at at least fighting a bit. You know, I don't want to be right. only able to. It's kind of embarrassing for people to think you're kind of good at fighting and then really you're only able to like sit down and like scoot towards people, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I wish it was something I got into a bit earlier. And it goes well with the leg locks as well. Like a lot of the time people will turn and rip their leg out because they're afraid. And then you can just come up on a single leg, finish them. How do you feel like it's helped your passing? I feel like it's helped my my posture and my kind of feel of closeness and confidence more than anything, really. Because sometimes yeah. with passing, especially in the nogi, everyone is kind of good at leg locks now. So sometimes it's hard to have the confidence to like really pressure in on someone, get your head stuck in, get close. The mentality of it more than anything, I feel, has helped the passing. Yeah, I feel like uh, it's gotten me um, to a point where I, I think I'm a lot harder to sweep too. That's the thing, yeah. like it's yeah. like if, if they have to wrestle you down at the end of the mm. sweeps you know yeah. i felt like uh when i was a blue belt i had uh like i think it's honestly at least for me like probably like towards the end of brown belt and black belt that i started to feel like more comfortable passing mm. and almost having that like sense of pride with your with your base on top because like for me when i was a blue belt like I was going to fight you really hard to not let you pass my guard, but like a gust of wind and I would fall over from top, you know? <laughs> exactly. So now it's like, now it's like, I'll, I'll try to like stay up a little bit more. Cause I'm like, well, I've been working on my wrestling so much. Like, why should you just get to score on me? You yeah. know? No, I definitely went through the exact same thing. And especially in competition, when you're a bit more nervous than usual, like yeah. just the legs would give out. It's kind of sad, really, that you can, with a couple of little wrestling moves like that, you can shut down a lot of the jiu-jitsu game. It's nuts, right? We got some guys that um, at our gym that were like really high wrestler, high level wrestlers in college, and I'll roll with them and just like this is bullshit you know that like you can just come up on a single and be like really really frustrating mm. to deal with with like a year of jujitsu you know yeah but but the thing is 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 grappling is grappling and like if you have 15 years of grappling experience you're gonna feel you're gonna feel different even if you don't have a black belt when you start to grab this person and touch them you're gonna be like man they know what they're doing and they might not know exactly what i'm doing but they have just a different kinesthetic awareness for their body and space and posture and balance and all these things you know getting older in the sport how do you change like your game and your training to adapt to that i'm not saying you're old i think that for me it's just like it's a big help that i get to design the training for myself mm -hmm. and i'm not just in this room where i'm rolling with like world-class guys that are significantly bigger than me all the time so that that's huge um, and i think just being smart with my body being smart with the way that i'm training and also just I think that a majority of my time training is spent on skill development. So there's less intensity behind it. Um, but, you know, when you start shifting into like, okay, I'm getting ready to compete, the rounds become a little bit, a little like definitely tougher, like more intense. I'm trying to push the pace more. And I think that takes more of a toll on me physically and mentally. Mm. Um, so it's just making sure that I'm aware of when I'm doing stuff like that. And, and like, I'm not just doing it to do it. I'm doing it for a reason. Um, and then I think I've taken like better care of my body. Like we're all going to this place called Exos together, which is like a, it's like a strength and conditioning place, but it's really more focused on like keeping your body healthy and working on different things that are giving you trouble. I wish I paid more attention to that when I was younger, but you know, yeah. you learn, you learn with time, but little things like that, like, okay, I have way better understanding of my body's alignment and my body's structure and things like this. So, you know, it's not that like anybody can get hurt, but I'd say that when I'm more aware of like, if my foot is out of alignment with my knee and my hip, then I'm like, okay, well, if I put myself in those positions less, I'm less likely to be hurt because most of the time that's what happens. Like, like 
you put yourself in a weird spot and then pressure you you were met with some sort of pressure and then you got hurt you know unless it's like a freak accident but i don't i can't plan for that you know thanks for coming on the show adam really appreciate it best of luck with everything coming up thanks so much for having me man and we got to get you down here sure great to train yeah looking forward to it big thanks to adam for coming on the show I really enjoyed hearing about his experience in going from training at a very big academy to training at a much smaller one and the pros and cons that came with that as well as some of the things that actually ended up helping his jiu-jitsu in the long run. It was also cool to hear how it's been training under legends like Marcelo Garcia and Ryan Hall and some of the things that they do differently and the different lessons that you could take away from training with them. We'll be back next week for another episode of Inside Position. There's some really big guests coming up, so I'd really encourage everyone to share the podcast with your friends if you enjoy it. So until next time, Slánagas Bannacht.